0: amen 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 man we debated having two services uh we weren't sure if we would fill them up but we had a great uh first service and a great second service so i'm glad you guys made it out here whether this is your first time or whether this is where you come all the time we are so glad to get to celebrate easter with you here today um, at the end of the service, you're going to have opportunity to respond to however God is speaking to you. You could use uh, a connection card like this and just drop it off at the Next Steps booth. We'll have somebody back there uh, to help you take whatever next step of faith that you need to take. Uh, but for now, I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke 24, get your sermon notes out. And uh, as you're turning there, let me ask you, what, what is Easter all about for you? What do you look forward to most at Easter? For me, when I was growing up, it was all about the candy. You know, it was all about especially that chocolate bunny. I didn't get one every year, but if I got one, I don't care if it was hollow or solid, it was all about the bunny and it was all about sneaking bites of the bunny when my parents weren't looking and said you've already had enough and I'm like, "Yeah, okay," you know. That was that's just what Easter was about for me. How about you? What's Easter about for you today? For some, it's about gathering together with family and uh, maybe sharing a meal or doing the Easter egg hunt with the little kids or whatever. For others, Easter represents a time of renewal, of of spring being ushered in, and and we see new life with plants blooming and blossoming, blossoming, and so maybe that's what Easter's about. For some, Easter's just a long weekend. You know, we got Friday off from work and from school, and I had a short work week, and that's what Easter's about. Even if you come to church on Easter, like you're here today, sometimes Easter can be about the, the Easter service. Like, okay, we better sing this song and better preach out of that passage, and he better get out early because we got other stuff we got to get to, you know? Here's the deal. If we're not careful, we can miss what Easter is about. If we're not careful, it sounds crazy, but we can miss Jesus At Easter. That's what we're going to see in this story we're looking at in Luke chapter 24. We're going to read about a couple of guys who almost missed Jesus at the very first. Easter. This story takes place on Sunday, probably Sunday afternoon sometime. It's after Jesus has been arrested and crucified on Friday, after he's been put in the grave, and he was there Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning. He was raised back to life. Uh, A couple of the disciples, some of the ladies go and check it out, and they find that the tomb is empty, and they spread that report. And then we get, the, we get these guys. We come to this place where Jesus uh, is, is with a couple of his followers later on on Sunday afternoon, and they almost, almost miss him. Let's read Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. It says, That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. And he asked, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened here the last few days. And what things, Jesus asked? The things that had happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel, and this all happened three days ago. Then some Women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran to see. And sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Well, by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and at the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. I love this story for a couple of reasons. One, it's not a story we normally read on Easter Sunday. You know, it comes after the, the resurrection. But I love it because it reminds us that, there, that it is possible to miss Jesus. It cautions us that it's possible to miss Jesus. And I think there's three ways that people can miss Jesus this Easter, If you uh, follow along with your notes, if it helps you to stay on track, we've got an outline there for you. And point number one is this, is that you can be real close to Jesus and still miss him. You can be real close to Jesus and still miss him miss him. That's what's going on here. Here in this story, these guys were as close as you could get to Jesus. They were literally walking with Jesus. They were talking with Jesus. They even stopped and interacted. I mean, you could not get physically closer to Jesus than the way these, than these guys were, but they missed that it was him. Now, granted, God kept them, for some reason, God kept them from seeing in that moment that it was Jesus, but not only were these guys physically close to Jesus, they knew all about Jesus. They, you know, they had knowledge about Jesus. You know, they, they knew who he was and, and what he had done. They knew the facts about him. Listen again to, to what they say when Jesus says, what, what are you talking about? Verse 19 to 21. He says, what things Jesus asked? These guys respond, the, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet. He did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. So they know about Jesus, who he was and what he did, and then they share what happened to him. Our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. And we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. I gotta tell you, this has to be one of the funnier moments in the Bible. Here are these guys talking to Jesus, telling Jesus about Jesus, explaining Jesus to Jesus and they don't even see that it is Jesus as as comical as that may seem it serves as a reminder that a person can truly be very close to Jesus and still miss him and I think that's where a lot of people are today I think that's where a lot of people are with Jesus today they're really close but still missing him you know Christianity is not on the rise in, in america a matter of fact it's on the decline but a majority of people if you ask them what religion are you or what faith are you or what do you believe in a majority of people will say i'm christian now they may not go to church very often or even at all they may not read their bible very much or even at all they may not pray very often or even or even at all but they'll say they're christian and you ask them well what makes you say you're a christian you know what makes you believe you're going to heaven and they'll say well i'm basically a good person you know, I'm not a terrible person. I'm a pretty good person. And, and listen, that, that's good. It's good to be good. We need more good. We got a lot of bad going on. We need more good. But being good isn't good enough. It's just good in their own eyes. Matter of fact, in Romans three twelve, uh, God tells us there is no one who is good. Not a single person at all is good. No one, not one. Well, I decided I was thinking about this this week on the way into work, and I got to thinking about that verse, that there was no one who was good, not a single person. So I thought I'd put it to the test as I was driving in. I got about a half-hour drive from work, from Corona Day Tucson, here to Colbin, 22nd Street. And so I thought, I'm going to put this to the test. I'm going to see if there's anybody good on the roads today. I'm going to drive the speed limit and see, because that's a good thing to do. Obeying the law is good, Right? sinners all right anyways (laughs) i'm gonna drive the speed limit and so i drove the speed limit now in all fairness i waited till it was two lanes i didn't hang up people behind me on houghton where it's just you know i waited till there was room to pass i but anyways when i got there i was like i'm gonna drive the speed limit and let me tell you what i saw not a single other person on the road that day was driving the speed limit everybody else was either passing me or if they were already in front of me they were leaving me in the dust Every other person was knowingly and willingly breaking the law. And the Bible says when you knowingly and willingly do wrong, that is rebellion, and rebellion is sin. I looked around, I was like, you know, there's not a single good person on the road, except for one. (laughs) But not really, because in my heart, I wanted to be speeding also. In my heart, I was jealous I was envious of of them being up there, and I wanted to be up there too. And then I was like, but you know what? I'm not up there. I'm obeying the law, and I got a little bit prideful. And then that's when I just about, not audibly, but just in my heart, I could hear God say, see, there is no one who is good, not even you, knucklehead. Don't miss Jesus today by being so close by being so close to him. Don't miss Jesus because you know about him. Don't miss Jesus because you know what he did and what he said. Don't miss Jesus today because you think you're good enough like you are because there is no one who is good, not a single person. And that's why Jesus died. Jesus died on the cross for our sins because none of us are good even just one sin is enough to keep us from from heaven and Jesus died on the cross for your sin and mine for the sin of our actions as well as the sin of our attitudes for the sin in our heart and that some people miss Jesus because they miss that there's a second way that people miss Jesus and that is this number two is you can have all the evidence of Jesus resurrection and still not believe You know, you can have all of the evidence that Jesus truly was raised back to life by God and still miss that and still miss what Easter's all about, still miss the joy of celebrating his resurrection. That's where these guys, these disciples, these followers, they've been walking and, and talking with Jesus and explaining all the things going on. And, 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 and as they're walking along, they don't realize that it's him. And, and he asks them, what are you talking about? And listen to what it says in verse 17. It says, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. The Bible tells us that there was an intensity in their conversation about the events of that weekend, about his <clears throat> about his resur- about his crucifixion and about his death and about his burial and and then about, you know, the the the, the body that was missing. You know, when we talk about the resurrection, when we talk about Jesus today, we talk about it with joy. We talk about it with celebration. We are excited. I mean, this is something that we, I mean, y'all were clapping during some of the songs, and we got to certain lines that talked about, you know, his resurrection. We, we celebrate that, but that's not where these guys were. These guys were confused. These guys were worried. These guys didn't understand what was going on. And, and the crazy thing is they had all the evidence they needed. Listen to what they tell Jesus. Verse 22, He says, then some women from our group, they're talking about what happened Sunday morning just prior to this. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told him, Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran to see, and, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. You know what's amazing about this story is despite all the evidence these guys had, they still couldn't believe what had happened. They still couldn't believe that Jesus had truly been resurrected. He had truly been raised back to life. I mean, these guys had eyewitness reports from multiple sources, reliable sources, people they knew, not just hearsay or rumors. These were other disciples that they knew, other followers of Jesus. They had eyewitness reports. They had, they had an angel telling them, hey, Jesus is alive. What are you doing looking for the, the dead? You know, what are you looking for, doing looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. On top of that, they had Jesus' own words who told them, hey, listen, guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed and die and buried. But three days later, I'm coming back. They had all of this, and still they didn't believe. Still they missed Jesus. And some people are going to miss Jesus today. Just like they've missed Jesus Easter after Easter and Sunday after Sunday because they, they just can't wrap their heads around the evidence that we have that Jesus truly is alive. I mean, the, the empty tomb is still one of the best evidences we have of Jesus' resurrection. Every other significant world leader, every other major world leader, you know, political, social, religious, cultural, whatever, if if there's a place where they were buried and people know where they were buried, you can go to that place. You can go to that cemetery, that gravesite, that marker, that mausoleum, that, that tomb, whatever. You can go and see where they're buried. But you can't do that with Jesus because the tomb is empty. He's not there. He is alive. Woo, come on. And, and, and you, you've also got the, the evidence of Jesus appearing to his disciples. The Bible tells us that over a period of 40 days after this, that Jesus appeared to his disciples numerous times, sometimes to just a handful, sometimes to about a dozen, sometimes to one time to hundreds of disciples at once. He appeared to them. And, and here's the thing. If this was all a hoax, if this was something the disciples were just making up, All the Jewish leaders or Roman officials would have had to have done would be to go get the body and pull out this rotting corpse and say, Look, here's Jesus that they say is alive. He's not. But they couldn't do that. Why? Because Jesus really is alive. But I look at one more piece of evidence. I think most significantly, you've got the evidence of changed lives. You know, Jesus' disciples, right after his arrest, And and before they realized that he had been raised back to life, we see them hiding out. We see them fearful. We see them scared that the Romans and Jews are going to come after them next. Peter even denies Jesus. He denies knowing Jesus at all. It's like, I never even met the guy. But then once they realize that he's alive, that he is who he said he is, and he did what he said he was going to do, we see a complete change in the disciples' lives. They go from hiding out to speaking out. They go from being fearful to being bold. We even get Peter standing on the balcony preaching to thousands of people, telling them, you killed Jesus, the Savior, but you can be forgiven if you will place your faith in him today. And thousands come to faith in Jesus that day. The only explanation for that is that Jesus really, really, really is alive and his disciples truly believed that and proclaimed that message until they died. But, you know, we, we don't have to just go back to the, to the Bible for evidence. We've got evidence today. The evidence of people's changed lives today tells me that Jesus is alive. I went to high school with a guy named Steve, and Steve was uh, one of the craziest, wildest, partyingest guys in high school. And a couple years after high school, um, I was working at a Christian music store, and how many of y'all remember back when, when people would sing in church, and they'd sing a solo in church? You remember that? Yeah. Well, you would go to a place like where I worked, and you would buy this little cassette. How many of y'all remember cassettes? Yeah, they're so old. Okay. Young people, these are plastic things. Never mind. All right. So, uh, and they would, you would buy a cassette, and on one side, it was the song with the words and the music and all that, and on the other side, it was just the music, and so you would practice that. It was called a solo tape. Okay. You with me? You tracking? Okay. So, I'm working at this Christian music store, and here comes Steve walking in. I was like, well, this guy's lost what is Steve doing here? I mean, you know, Steve doesn't know Jesus. Steve, why is he gonna? And so I thought he was looking for the Kentucky Fried Chicken right next door. I was like, you missed the parking lot, dude. It's over there. I was like, hey, dude. And I literally said, what are you doing here? Like in that tone of voice. That's real Christian, you know, real judgmental, I know. I was like, what are you doing here? He's like I'm singing in church Sunday. I just about passed out. I was like, oh. And then, then suddenly my, I tried to, tried to recover. And I was like, oh, wow, that's great, you know. And he's like, yeah, y'all got tapes. I was like, yeah, right over here. It blew me away. Here's the deal. Steve found Jesus. Steve found Jesus, and Jesus changed his life. Steve went from partying to praising. He went from hell raising to praising Jesus. He went from being the the guy that you never, you're like, don't hang around that dude, to the guy that's like, wow, I can't believe the change in his life. And it all happened because of Christ. And some of y'all, the evidence that you need and the evidence you have for Jesus is maybe it's the change in your life. You've seen him change your life. Maybe it's the evidence you've seen him change in someone else's life who invited you to church today and you're like, there must be something to it because I knew them when. I knew how they used to be, and they're a totally different person today. But still, some people miss Jesus, even though they have all the evidence in the world. Some people miss him. And why would they miss him? Well, it comes to our third thing. Number three, Jesus came to save, but not in the way people think. One of the reasons people miss Jesus is because they have it in their minds. They have it in their heads who Jesus is. And, and, and they have an idea of what, Jesus, what they want Jesus to do in their life. They have an idea for what they want him to do. You know, They, they want Jesus who, who will do things their way. And that's, that's kind of where Je- these followers of Jesus were in the story we're looking at. Listen to Luke twenty-four twenty-one. He says, this is what they say about Jesus. They said, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. There's a lot of context in that name, Messiah. For these Jewish people, they had known uh, since, and Pastor Noah read a passage about it back in Isaiah and passages after that for hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for a savior, one who would come and conquer all their enemies and and would reestablish Israel as a mighty nation again. And that's who these guys say, we were looking for him, we thought, that he was the Messiah who would rescue Israel. They were hoping for Jesus to save them from oppression, to deliver them and to reestablish Israel again. But that wasn't God's plan. Matter of fact, that plan is too small. You see, Jesus did come to rescue Israel, but he also came to rescue everyone. Jesus came to set people free from their, uh, but not just from political oppression, he came to set people free from their sins. Jesus came to rescue and deliver, but not from some outside enemy. Jesus came to rescue us and deliver us from ourselves, from our sin, and from the shame and the guilt that comes with that. And not only that, but to, give us, to rescue us from an eternity in hell, to give us eternity in heaven if we will place our faith in Jesus. And Some people today miss Jesus because they miss why he came. Some people want to believe in Jesus, hoping that he'll give them a better life. Jesus said, I came to give you eternal life. I came to give you a brand new life, a completely changed life. You see, Jesus came and he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, but then God raised him back to life three days later. And the good news is this, if you place your faith in Jesus, you will be saved you will be forgiven. God's love for you is so great that he's already done everything that has to be done for you to experience that love. All you have to do is say, I believe in Jesus. Ernest Hemingway tells a story of a father and son living in Spain and how the relationship had fallen apart. The rebellious son was named Paco and he ran away from home and His father began a long and arduous search for him, and as a last resort, the exhausted father placed an ad in the Madrid newspaper, hoping that his son would see it and respond. And the ad simply said, Dear Paco, please meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. Love, Father. As Hemingway tells the story, the next day at noon, in front of the newspaper office, there were 800 men named Paco, all seeking forgiveness from their father. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of response. It's called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. If you're a believer today, if you're a Christ follower, if there's been a time in your life where you have placed your faith in Jesus to save you, then this song for you is a song of celebration. It's a song of joy. It's a song where you get to celebrate God's deep love for you some here today may be saying, you know what? I, I want that love. I want to know that love from God. What do I do? In the moment, I'm going to pray for you, and you can talk to God just as easy as you talk to the people that have been around you, or, and all you got to do is just say, God, I want to know your love. I want to place my faith in Jesus today. As best as I know how, I trust you for salvation. I'm not sure what's next, but I know what I need to do now. I need to believe in Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, all across the room, as we are entering into this time of prayer and response, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue speaking to people. God, I pray that for those who are Christ followers, who are Christians, not because they're good people, not because they obey the rules, not because they even show up at church, but because there's been a time in their life where they have trusted Jesus to save them and forgive them of their sin. For those people, God, I pray that this next song will be a song of joy and celebration as we celebrate how deep your love is. Lord, for those here today who maybe aren't sure where they stand with you, or maybe are realizing today that they want to know your love, I pray today they would call out to you in prayer. And just pray a simple prayer of saying something like this, of saying, God, I know, that I, I know that you love me. I'm sorry for running from you all this time. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe in Jesus.